And Kyle, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, happy to be with you. Thanks. Well, Kyle, you're you're talking up in the Great White North. I know that doesn't typically happen for a bluegrass guy <laughs> like yourself. So uh, we're happy to bring a little winter into your life, uh, Kyle. Talk about your experience at the University of Kentucky. I mean, it's for people who who follow basketball, they understand the importance and significance of Kentucky basketball, and particularly the University of Kentucky basketball. But you won the, the NCAA championship in 1978. What was your experience like playing for the great uh, Joe, Joe Hall and uh, winning the national championship? Yeah, well, um, it, it's kind of hard to explain <clears throat> to an outsider that's never seen a game or, you know, I've been to Rupp Arena to watch a game or uh, anywhere really to watch the Kentucky team play because it's almost like a religion here in Kentucky in the fact that the way that the fans follow the team, know as much information as they can get about each player. Um, and a lot of times when the team goes on the road, they travel very well. So a lot of times those road games become home games. And I know after I graduated, I played in the NBA and uh, wherever I played from Seattle to Florida, whatever, uh, it seemed like there was always someone who'd come up before a game or after a game and say, hey, I'm a Kentucky fan, I saw you play, blah, blah, blah. And so it, it, it's just amazing. I mean, it's been years and years since I played, and I still you know, get recognized as I travel around doing different things. Yeah, I, I think that uh, sports fans, it's similar probably in Canada, most similar with hockey, but uh, sports right. fans for basketball in a culture like you had at the University of Kentucky – uh, you really can't describe it. I, I remember going to Kansas, I, and I'm sure you're not happy to hear that, but I went to a game at Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> but but the uh, the same thing existed there, This just that sense of history, religion, the attention to who was playing, what the significance was to the community. So, so Kyle, sure. you have this outstanding co- uh, college career. You go on to the NBA. Talk about the NBA in late 70s, early 80s, and maybe how how would you uh, how would you describe your experience then, and how do you view the NBA now? Um, well, I had a great experience. I mean, obviously, you get to to play a game that you love to play, and they're actually paying you money for it. Although money wasn't near what it is nowadays. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't uh, the it, stupid money of today. I, I do understand yeah, the monopoly money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, uh, no, it was a great experience. The game was a lot different. It was a more uh, dominant by the big men, uh, and the ball always went inside first look. Uh, and I, I know I I watched some of the games today, and Steph Curry in particular, when some of the shots he takes, I, I, I remember thinking the first time I watched him play that, you know, if I had taken a couple of those shots from the locations where he shot him on the court, my big men would have come out and said, you shoot another one of those, I'm going to break your arm. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it was a more inside-oriented game today. It's more perimeter game. But, uh, you know, athletes today are bigger, faster, stronger. But I don't know if they're fundamentally sound as, as the game in the 70s and 80s. Um, but, you know, it, it time changes things. So. Well, I, I, that's an interesting point, actually, Kyle, because – one of the uh, we we had some uh, we had some great guests on early that relate to our community here. Uh, some uh, two former great university players from from Edmonton, uh, and then my son who still plays overseas. But we talked about how players today a general athleticism is through the roof. B the mm-hmm. fundamental skills, if you want to call it that, the what I would call ISO skills, handling the ball, go left, go right. 
uh, all of the special fancy dribbling, etc. But where uh, a lot of athletes today are different or players today are different is they don't understand how to play the game and translate all those great individual skills into a team concept. Do you think that does that echo or or tie into your view of the game today? Yeah, no, I think that's very true. I mean, I don't think they really understand how to create opportunities for teammates because it is more of a one-on-one game. And yeah, but the NBA kind of created that when they started promoting individuals as opposed to team. Uh, you know, so I heard a, uh, someone say a while back, and it really makes a lot of sense. He says, here in the states. Uh, we play six days a week and practice one, which is referring to AAU basketball. But in Europe, they practice six days a week for that one game. And then I think that's probably one of the reasons why the European players you see more and more uh, having success in the NBA. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to hear that comment. I think there's that that's an extremely accurate comment. And we're talking with Kyle Macy here on the basketball show on Sports 1440. Kyle Macy, the great University of Kentucky and NBA player. Uh when you look at Jokic, and this sounds a bit irreverent, but I mean it with the, the most sincere flattery. When you watch Jokic or even uh, Luca play, they look like guys you'd see down at the YMCA because, <laughs> you know, they play slower. They, uh, they're not jumping. You know, they're not super athletes. But their dominance and their basketball IQ, of course, is, is through the roof. But the way they see the game indicates, to your point exactly, Kyle, which is their understanding and seeing the angles and understanding the not just the play in front of them, but the play two uh, two sequences down uh, in, in the in the offensive possession. That really, I, I think, bears out what you just stated. Yeah, and those are players. I think you know the fans like to watch play, and and it's not because you know they're putting their elbow in the rim, whatever. But like you said, they they understand how to play. They're, they're great passers. Um, the, their opponents cannot speed them up. Like I said, he played at a slower pace, but they, the opponents don't know what to do with them defensively because they just they control everything. And so they're, they're, they're fun to watch. I do like watching those two teams play. Do you, uh, today, Kyle, you've coached at the Division One level at Moorhead State, uh, obviously played in the NBA. Uh, how do you feel about NCAA basketball with all of the – all of the changes, I mean, my gosh, when you look at the NCAA game today, uh, the transfer portal, uh, the of, of course, uh, the NIL money, uh, <laughs> what, 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 do you, what do you think of the NCAA now? Do you think this bodes well for the game with this, uh, what I would call almost uh, allowed anarchy that now is creeping into it where you can transfer without consequences? Uh, do you think it's good for the game? Uh, is it too early to tell? What's your What's your thoughts? Uh, no, I don't think it's too early to tell. I don't think it's good for the game at all. The NIL money as well. It's basically free agency. Uh, these are pro players now. They're they're actually getting paid. And one thing the NCAA used to talk about was always trying to put a level playing field out there. But now there's no way the smaller schools could compete. You know, trying to get as much NIL money as say the Alabama footballs or Kansas, Kentucky basketball and those type of things. And um, it, it's really distracted from the game. And it, it may have made the game a little more level as far as talent across the board, because if a player's not playing, he's leaving that. It'd be difficult, I think, to be a coach nowadays, because you don't know who's coming back from the following year. Um, and then also the one and dones and those type of things. But uh, you know, the recruiting is basically how much, 
we can offer you financially is what the players are looking for. They're not, and here it can tell you the perfect example. They're not really, that coach will just flat out admit it. You know, the, the best thing is not winning championships. It's getting players in the NBA. That's, that's his best day in Kentucky basketball, which, you know, old timers like myself disagree with. It's all, it should be all about winning championships. Um, and the thing you find out too that and I was fortunate I was on some good teams and we won the championship in 78 and because of that success that's why I was drafted and got to play professionally yeah that certainly has changed uh, today and I think the University of Kentucky I'm, I'm curious John Calipari with you know with the uh, reputation he has uh, somewhat uh, interesting reputation but uh you know he's been at kentucky now for a long time i think they've fallen out of the top 25 uh right now but they still have a lot of marquee athletes is that what you just described that kind of culture how many players can i get to the nba has that permeated the university of kentucky basketball culture yeah that's the attitude they're promoting uh at some point you think it might come back and bite them the fact that they promoted what was it, 57 players on opening day NBA uh, rosters, and there's six players or seven maybe in the NBA All-Star game. And you see all those great numbers, but then you're thinking, yeah, but we've only won one championship since you've been here. Um, but the, the other side of that is I don't think they're going to fire him because the athletic director gave him basically a lifetime contract. So, um, yeah, it's it's <laughs> – well, the college game, which was you know an amateur game at one time, has basically become a financial game. Whether it's administrative people, how much money can we bring in with esports and those type of things, or now the players getting involved. What what's attendance like? I'm I'm really curious because typically I think your uh, Rupp Arena holds about is it? Am I right about twenty two thousand? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's um, it, it went well. I guess the saving grace is Jeff Shepard's son Reed Shepard is a freshman. And they're from here in Kentucky, London, Kentucky, and they have an outstanding season. And, and, and Kentucky people like Kentucky kids, obviously, so they've they've been very supportive. Um, I think had he not come to school here with the roster of kids, basically from out of the state, and the disappointing losses, the really poor home schedule that they put on every year. I mean, they play a tough schedule, but all the big games are neutral sites. Now, they did play Gonzaga at home last week, which was a big game, and they lost. But, you know, in return, they'll play, you know, it's like a five- or six-game series. Most of those games, they were able to get Gonzaga to play at a neutral site instead of the home court, which that's good negotiating. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> if you'll come to Rupp Arena but then play a neutral site when it's your game. Um, so attendance is down, I think, overall, but it's picked back up some with the SEC play and, like I said, the success that Reed Shepard's had this year. Kyle, I, 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 I'm sorry to do it, but I can't resist. You were in the first ever three-point competition. And, of yeah. course, that is uh, just absolutely loaded with the folklore of Larry Bird. Uh, and his. <laughs> were you in the locker room when Bird walked in and the legend goes, made the statement he made? Well, um, he was in the locker room when I came in. There was one or two other players in there. Um, but as a player would come in the door, he'd say, oh, he's going to be sixth. Uh, he's going to be third. You know, and everybody knowing that he's thinking he's the one that's going to win it. He, you know, I, I'm from Indiana, as Larry is as well. And, uh, he never really said much to me. So I don't know if that's <laughs> what that was. But there were some good shooters. You know, you had uh, – Leon Woods, who later on I think may have won it. Craig Hodges won a few times, I think. 
and uh, Trent Tucker, D- Dale Ellis, Sleepy Floyd, and I think Norm Nixon uh, later in his career was also on that squad. So, not squad, but the roster of who was shooting. Now, I tell you, it was so unusual, though. I mean, it was the first year they had the contest, and um, I I didn't practice at all. I didn't really know. They they sent out, I think, if I remember, like the music to the, the when you were going to be shooting, and you had a minute. But I, I never practiced uh, because it was just all new. You know, you were concerned more about the, your games than staying after some silly three-point contest thing. <laughs> so when I got out there, I shot a pretty good percentage, but I just didn't – I didn't even get to the last rack. That's how slow I was shooting because I had no idea, you know, how fast you had to go to shoot them. So – um, I think if I had practiced, I I would have gone on because I was shooting a good percentage and, and would have advanced further. Now, I don't know if I would have beaten Larry. He got hot there and won on a string. It seemed like one, I don't know if that was that contest or one of the other ones he won. But, um, yeah, it, it was fun, though, just a chance to be at All-Star Weekend, even though I wasn't playing in the All-Star game. Well, and, and talk about being a part of history and how it's changed. So, uh, Kyle, unfortunately, well, let, our time. Let me, let me tell you this real quick. Uh, I think that year, the most I ever shot maybe during my career, three pointers, was 100, between 100 and 150. And I think I only shot over 102 of my seven years of played in the NBA. And if you look at Steph Curry, I think he he's does that in a week. 600 to 800 attempts. Yeah, so so the game has changed a little bit, more perimeter. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's always frustrating when you look at it and go, it just wasn't in quite the right era, but that's just the hand, the hand we're dealt. So <laughs> Kyle Macy, it has been a pleasure. Uh, I didn't get a chance to talk about your bourbon company, uh, but uh, it has been a real pleasure speaking with you. It's always an honor to talk to someone like yourself with such a rich history in the game. And thank you for making time to join us here on Sports 1440. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me on.